And welcome to this long overdue episode of the Morbidly Deceased Podcast. I am your host, JT McCallum. I'm Evan Doworth. And uh, today we're joined by the caffeinated horror dude himself, Mr. Brad Maven. How are you today? Hello. Thanks for having me on, guys. This no is long overdue, right? We've been yeah. talking for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really excited. Perfect. Yeah, we've been wanting to have you on, on this show for a long time, so it's it's pretty exciting to have you on. You've always been such a huge supporter of us, too, so we've always wanted to give you a shout-out as well. So, Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. Love what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we first um, – I don't know if, if Evan ever went to Deadly Grounds before that, but the first time I ever interacted with you was uh, when you were doing the horror trivia uh, during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was fun. It, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was fun. No, I want to get back to doing that. That's uh, certainly a part of my plans for the new year with the uh, Caffeinated Horror Dude channel. Oh, perfect. Good. Yeah, th- th- those are really fun. Like we watched Night of the Living Dead and just did horror trivia the whole time. So it was <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, okay, so for, uh, we're just going to do, um, before we get into everything, we're just going to do like 13 like warm-up questions for you about uh horror stuff um so i'm gonna start it out um so brad what was the first movie that scared you oh the first movie that scared me this is a good one uh we've actually talked about this before and at length and and i think it's a good debate between us three of us as well um return of the living dead right the original return of the living dead like 85 early 86 um was what scared the crap out of me and i'll tell you why um, I come from a really small town in Newfoundland, and in my town, my mom has a ton of brothers and sisters, and so does my dad. So every Sunday, we would get together at like my Nan Maven's for lunch, what we call dinner, and my Nan May's for supper, which would be dinner here. Anyway, uh, after dinner or supper, we would always have a movie night, and it was usually, you know, a Disney movie or something that I could at least sit through. But this night, they brought Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> And my uncle's like, okay, Brad, you can't watch this. You've got to go upstairs. Well, I'm a six-year-old kid. Uh, what does a six-year-old kid do? He keeps sneaking down, looking at the TV, right? And like, right. Because you know, I'm curious. And it's covered Return of the Living Dead. That sounds pretty freaking cool. <laughs> anyway, my first thing that I saw as I'm going up the stairs is that, you know, that the text at the beginning that says, this is based on actual events. <laughs> go upstairs. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. So I, I go back upstairs. <laughs> Next time I come down, that goddamn Terman is on the screen. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is based on actual events? <laughs> the actual living shit out of me. And I'm not, I'm not even kidding. It scared me for a long period of time. And I got into horror, you know, fairly quickly after that, like two or three years. Like at 10 years old, I was really into horror. And to that, I, and I couldn't find that movie again. I, I didn't see it for years. And I was living in Jasper, Alberta. And I was like maybe 21, 22 years old. And I found it on the shelf of like HMV or whatever the local, uh, you know, DVD CD place was. And I brought it home and I sat in my little dorm room that I lived in there and I pulled the covers up and I watched it again for like the first time in like 20 years, <laughs> uh, close to. And I laughed my ass off and I'm like, man, I can't believe I was so scared of this movie. <laughs> but I mean, that's the great thing about that movie though, right? Is it, it combines, I think, I think it's probably the best and people might argue this and they might have a valid argument for it, but I really think it's the best horror comedy out there i really do i think i think it set the standard Uh, i think maybe some people will say Shaun of the dead is right up there with that too and i and that's that's a very good uh horror comedy as well right i think return of the living dead set the bar for that man oh for sure 
Yeah, it and but what's what's great about um, Return of the Living Dead though is that it's not funny to the characters in the movie. <laughs> Right, exactly. like, like, yeah. like they are not having a good time when they're sitting there screaming, and then Wood Spider's like, "What the fuck was that?" But it's such a funny line to us, right? But it's not funny You're for absolutely them. Absolutely right, movie. and I think that's the difference, right? I mean, you look at Shaun of the Dead, and even though at times you can see what they're going through and the emotions that they're going through, a lot of times you can see that the not that the fourth wall is being broken, but you can tell that it's tongue in cheek, like the overreactions and right. stuff like you. That, you right? you never you feel like they're in danger. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I have to say, like, I, I love Shaun of the Dead, but I don't think of it as a horror comedy. It's always comedy horror, because that movie yeah, like straight right. up just comedy for me. But with Return of the Living Dead, it's definitely horror comedy, and it's stuff that's like unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh man, I, I just like there's a one part that always cracks me up, and it's when the skeleton comes out of the grave, yeah. and it's not because it like looks cheesy, but it's like. You see the wire through the neck yeah. where it like goes to open it and everything, and it's just like, oh man, I know that's not supposed to be there, but it's just fun. It's about funny. That particular part, right? I mean, like all these other zombies that we encounter in that movie are all decrepit zombies to a certain degree. They're right from you know freshly dead to you know the the lady that's on the the, the embalming table that's you know really really decayed. So. You're telling me that a, that an actual just bones can be animated too? That's all that thing is—is is bones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that that thing's a bit cheesy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, so um, yeah. Uh, what was the the most recent movie that really got under your skin? Oh God, that's a good one. Uh, the most recent that got under my skin. Uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, I would say. Uh, Midsummer being the most recent that I watched that I had held off watching for quite a while. And I'm not sure why. I, you know, I'm kind of funny when it comes to the idea of like long movies or movies that I put in my head that have to be, you have to be fully there for. I mean, that's the great thing about horror. I find oh. that sometimes you don't need to necessarily be all in. You can get, you can get the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of cerebral horror movies, Hereditary, uh, Midsummer things like that. I mean, even going back to like Sixth Sense, you need to be fully invested in to, or, or you're going to miss something and you're not going to, you're not going to, you're either going to be like, oh, I didn't think that was that great. Or you just didn't watch enough of it to think that it's great or to absorb how great it is. Um, but I found with Midsummer, uh, I finally got around to watching it and it really messed with my head because if you think about cultures and you think about what happens in other cultures, and I, and I love history and I love um, you know, thinking about like, uh, traditions around the world and whatnot. And, and this was a great example. And I'm sure this is not something that really happens, but you start thinking that, you know, kind of Wicker Man-ish and this type of uh, mm-hmm. storyline-ish. And yeah, it, it really got under my skin. And it's to the point where, you know, the first time, you know, spoilers, like the guy jumps off the cliff. It's like, holy crap, are, are you, I really, like, I jumped back and I got goosebumps. And um, then it just kind of like really got into, um, your brain in, in different ways and you know the way that people were reacting and how and how they, they the, the situations the uncomfortable situations that these people were put in where you know the guy's forced to have sex but is he really for like you know it's it's so weird and i know that a lot of people are out on that movie and you know you either really like it or you don't uh and i think the people that don't probably didn't really sit through it or maybe they're more of a slasher fan you know yeah um so i i, I that's probably the last one i I got to tell you, man, I get kind of desensitized to this stuff, uh, and I and I and I, I do struggle to kind of pick out the the really scary bits. 
Um, other than that, cerebral type of horror, I, what really gets to me are movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example, and like Vacancy, movies that could actually happen. Um, yeah. Those all scare the crap out of me. And, and, you know, I get put in certain situations where I think about movies like that and I think, man, I, I'm, that could happen right now. Uh, you know, you're driving somewhere in the middle of the night, your car breaks down. or mm-hmm. So any horror that has to deal with uh, kind of real life situations by, let's say, non-supernatural uh, forces uh, is scary. Oh, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, was there anything you wanted to say to that, Evan? Or there, I'm just going to put this out there. There's, I'm going to be 32 next year. And like you, like I, it was like real young. Like, I'm going to say, like, at least five or so, like, is when I got into it. Never anything bugged me. And I remember the first time I went to my buddy's house, me and my two buddies, we watched um, a Siberian film. Only movie to ever make me feel the most uncomfortable, like, ever. Like, I felt dirty watching that movie. And I felt Mm -hmm. like, like, uh, I actually was like, oh, I don't ever want to watch this movie again. (laughs) And I've only ever watched it twice. I've watched it twice and it took me like five years to watch it the second time. And it still made me feel really weird. And like, yeah. like I was doing something wrong. It was crazy. I felt that way after, and I just recently, like a month ago, watched last house on the left for the first time. Oh, and, like, the original the, one. The original. Oh which, yeah. I mean, you know, it's polarizing because uh, I mean, you have two great legends that made that movie with uh, Cunningham and Craven. Um, but I mean, the idea of what you're watching it felt so off the cuff and it felt so documentary style that you felt like you were watching it actually happen and it yeah. still dirt right? like the whole raping and, and, the, and the, the brutalizing of the girls um but i found i was taken away from that movie a little bit like what i was seeing on screen was was traumatizing terrible and you, just, you felt sick your stomach about it but man i don't know what they were doing with the soundtrack on that movie but it was so polarized to what was happening on screen that was, i don't know if they were trying to like lighten it a little bit but if you ever have a chance to just go back and watch it and just watch even like the first, uh, I don't know, like 25 minutes just for like the, the twangy background noise and, yeah. and the soundtrack. It didn't fit. I'm thinking, I wonder if they, I, I, I'd love to see this movie updated, but just the soundtrack updated on it. Just <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah, that movie, God, ugh. I hate I, that I would, Especially when they're like, uh, they're like in the thick of it and uh crook is like you know telling her he's like piss your pants piss your pants and she's terrified and then she just does it and they're all laughing like it's a big joke yeah Yeah. it's it's really (laughs) crazy what's funny about sorry i shouldn't use the word funny but you know what's ironic about that situation and not that everyone anyone ever tried to rape me but if someone was trying to rape me first thing i would do is piss and shit my pants yeah exactly (laughs) what do you want to touch me down for (laughs) (laughs) oh man Um, just like really briefly though, like you're talking about like the elevated horror and stuff and, and, and there is such a rip because you, you either think that Hereditary is like this great, wonderful movie, or you think it's the worst piece of shit you've ever seen. But I find that that's, that's the people like you can hate it, but if you have your own rate, like if you paid attention to it and you still hate it, obviously that's fine. It's your own personal taste. But I find that like in a lot of the horror discussion groups that I'm in, it's always like the 17 year old girls who are like, that movie sucks. And I'm like, I guarantee you they were texting throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Right. So, Absolutely. Or they don't know what it's about. And they're just like, it's boring. Exactly. Right. And it's the same right. people that will say, I don't know why people find the exorcist scary. I don't know why you find the shining scary. Exactly. Right. The shining is a prime example of that. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, even, like, Steven Spielberg said, like, when he first saw The Shining, he's like, I didn't think that that movie was 
scary but like the audience was like oh my god that was because if you're going in expecting like a traditional jump out boo scary movie then that's not what you're gonna get it's much more like you said cerebral right yeah and and, you know and and you know a lot of people shit all over kubrick's uh interpretation of the book um and so i mean i had a different take because i watched the shining without ever reading the book first i read the book after and i definitely see why people are disparaged by you know the comparison right however uh I mean, I'm a big fan of Kubrick, so I really appreciated how he filmed The Shining and like the colors and how bright it was. Exactly. It was so polarizing to what you see in horror, right? Yep. So again, it, it, I almost think you feel uncomfortable because it shouldn't be as well lit and colorful. Uh, so kind of like Suspiria as well. Yeah. The original. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what makes the remake of Suspiria so good too, is because they're like, look, we're going to take the material of it. And we're not going to do like the super bright stuff the way that you're expecting Suspiria to be too. Yeah, it's right? like, like it's, it's a lot of blue. subverting. Yeah, I really like the way they did that. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. Um, who's your favorite horror author? Um, my favorite horror author? I mean, I have to say, I'm, I, honestly, I'm not a big reader. Um, okay. So I don't read a lot of books. Uh, I, I did buy a Kobo recently with the intention I'm trying to read more. Right. <laughs> so I... Uh, I like true crime more than, than um, other types of reading. Like, just okay. I can get behind the, the idea of something real. But I do like Stephen King. I mean, right now, I do have uh, Shining on there. I have The Stand on there. So I do have a few Stephen Kings that I want to get through. Right. But yeah, there, no, I don't know. Maybe I need to, I need to get learned on uh, horror authors and get into it. You need to read, like, Brad, if, if you're a fan of George Romero movies, you need to read the book The Living Dead. It might be, like, the most emotional book uh, that takes place in his world. Like, the, one of the best stories of his world. It, it's honestly fantastic. Like, if you know anything about Romero, which I know that you do, it, it, there's so many, like, little, like, in-references to, like, his personal life and just the stories in general. It's such a good book. Like, if you're going to read anything, go That's and read amazing. that. It's I, awesome. I'm all over that kind of idea. I, and, I, and again, so that so this is a, it's like a, is it a biography type book or is it an actual no, book? It's, it, it's, it's a fictional story. Um, he, uh, he had like fragments of it um, before he passed away. And then mm-hmm. another author came along and finished it for him. Nice. Um, but, and then obviously it was, it was published after his death, but like there's like a detail about it that like references Romero's death, but like you wouldn't know that unless you like knew about yeah. it. So th- this isn't like major spoilers, but like obviously one of the characters dies and mm-hmm. it's done in like a really emotional way. And cause he gets bit. So sort of like Roger in, in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. And um, so he's just like withering away in the bed and stuff. And then um, before he actually dies, uh, the girl that's taking care of him asks if he wants to listen to music like while he passes. And then she puts on the soundtrack to The Quiet Man. And that's okay. literally what Romero listened to as he passed away in the hospital. That's so it's crazy. like little details like that just really yeah. make it like oh, so that awesome. Yeah, I definitely need to get that. Yeah, it, it, it's a fantastic book. It, it also has some of the best uh, zombie moments I've ever experienced in video games, film, or reading. And, yeah. uh, like, zombies are genuinely scary in this book. So <laughs> you should check that one out. That's amazing. That's awesome. On the list. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you said you don't like to read too much, but if it's a true crime one, then we'll say that. But a favorite horror book or true crime that you've read? Oh, God. 
<laughs> so those Vroomorg magazine counts. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We sure, will count it just because that. it's a book, it's a magazine, and it's I grew, like grew up reading Vroomorg more than anything else. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm so bad with reading. <laughs> I cannot give you an honest answer. That's so funny. Well, um, it's funny because like even JP. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I said everything would be lies if I if I said something. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, yeah, like JT and I were talking about it, and like I bought the book around the same time he did, and I read it a little bit, and then he was like on my ass. He's like, "Have you read it? Have you read it? Have you read it?" And I'm like, uh, "I haven't gotten around to it yet," but like I told him, I'm like, "I'm on break as of Wednesday, and that's when I'm gonna really dive into it and get into it." Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna. We got a little bit of an extended break over Christmas, so that's uh, part of my plans too. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously you're a video game guy because you also run the eight bit beans cafe um so what's your favorite horror video game uh i'd have to say of all time probably resident evil 4 okay um just because i that's when i really started to get back into video games with gamecube era yep and uh i just yeah i i played the crap out of that game um now i mean since then i mean the game horror, survival horror has gotten so good um, yeah I, I mean, like, there's there's not many survival horror that i play that i don't like or that doesn't scare the crap out of me which is kind of funny i think that's a part of kind of the, the appeal of watching me stream um you know i played resident evil 2 last year and i, I could barely get through it without you know screaming on air and um, <laughs> i love like the layers of fear games those are great um again the games that kind of you know aren't just all jumpy they actually make you try to do stuff and then all of a sudden something happens and you're like god damn it um you know right now i'm playing a lot of dead by uh daylight yeah um, I love that game, and I played a bunch of DayZ, so I like that. But yeah, Resident Evil Four and the whole Resident Evil series is probably like my go-to horror franchise, survival horror franchise. Mm-hmm. Are you excited for the Evil Dead game to come out? I am um, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I, I want it to be amazing, right? <laughs> um, but I, I just. I find anytime I get overly excited for, especially a game yeah, out of all the media, uh, I get let down. And I think this week, kind of cyberpunk was a good example of that. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. You know, so so I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to just surprise the shit out of me. And right. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay. Um. Favorite remake. Um. Oh, it's a tough one. I I want to say Dawn of the Dead, um, but I, I think if I had to think back to like what really got me into horror and I, as a, as a like a, a lifelong passion, I'd have to say the Night of the Living Dead. Remake. There we go. Yes, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> that was after Return of the Living Dead. You know, when I was a kid, um, I think that movie. I think the Night of the Living Dead remake was probably the, the, the next zombie movie that I had seen and it was at our local our small little local um, video shop one of the many horror movies that I would bring home and I remember just sitting there watching with my buddy Neil and both of us were just like holy shit that was that was amazing and, and I just it, it not only did it make me uh, a lifelong horror fanatic it made me uh, an instant George Romero fan because 
that was my first introduction to anything that George was ever involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made me go back and watch the original and then Day, Dawn, or Dawn Day, and uh, even some of his other obscure stuff, uh, Night Riders and whatnot. Um, yeah, and I just fell in love with him and I fell in love with the, 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 the horror genre in general. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely up there with Dawn of the Dead a little bit behind. Right. Uh, okay, what's your uh, favorite horror theme song? Horror theme song? It's the Triaxum theme song, man. Of course. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, so what I love about the, about the Return of the Living Dead or the Triaxum song, um, I'm, I'm a big Electronica fan too. Like I love keyboards and synth. And stuff yeah, like me that. too. It just combines like... Uh, it's the first time that I heard like, that style of music actually sound like daunting and scary. Yeah, you know, and it really somehow being it, that, like somehow with being that style, it still made it creepy, which I think was the first time that I felt that. Yeah, and also made me now appreciate uh, like artists like Chris Alexander, uh, you know, and what they do with electronica or electronic style synth music in the horror vein. It's just amazing. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I will always love that. Like. Uh, like bass rhythm of that theme song, just a bump, 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 but like I can listen to that for hours on end. Amazing, yeah. And, so and when they actually have the, uh, um, they have the the score on YouTube, and I will come home after a long day at work, and if I'm cooking in the kitchen, I just pump it and just listen to the score. <laughs> the entire movie, it goes from the start of the movie to the end of the movie, so you know. I haven't seen the movie a kajillion times. You know exactly what part you're in the movie just from the sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I have that soundtrack on uh, vinyl, but it doesn't have any of the actual score, unfortunately. It's just like the actual like tracks from the movie. Which is all amazing, too. I mean, that oh, was of course. A, oh, of course. Album, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would just love to blare the Trioxin theme on my turntable. <laughs> That's all I want to do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Um, fondest Halloween memory. Fondest Halloween memory. Oh, jeez. Oh, you know, again, we grew up in such a small town that you went everywhere, which was a great thing about where I lived. I mean, the town was like 1,500 people. So, you know, you get together with your buddies and you go to literally every house, especially the ones that you knew had full-size chocolate bars or candy apples. <laughs> um, and we had those people. So that was always the first hit. But I remember... I was also a big wrestling fan back in the day, a huge wrestling fan when I was a kid. And my aunt Ivy made me a uh, Macho King Randy Savage outfit one year. Oh, that's so, so not cool. Not whatsoever. <laughs> I had the scepter and the crown and the purple cape. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. That Halloween. Um, so that was my best one as a kid. I think my best one as an adult was probably 10 years ago. I went to my buddy Paul's Chris, our Halloween party. And this is the first time I met Lee Howard as well, which was, uh, you know, a great memory for me. And we become really great friends. Um, I was a zombie doctor, but I had, I had my, uh, my wife at the time, Katie, do my face up like Dawn of the Dead. So I had the, the blue makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I had a very strong U, uh, blue U to me with a little bit of red incorporated. I got so drunk that night. I <laughs> had a cake made and it was like a, a skull cake. Yeah. I grabbed that cake off the table, the entire skull, which no one had touched, and I went on the front lawn and I just started eating uh, this, this skull cake in the middle. And, <laughs> and they all laughed at it, thankfully, and I wasn't you know, just a but 
um, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. And there's actually, um, it will pop up in my memories at some point. So I'll have to share it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Um, do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> I, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever know that I that I used to work in the paranormal field, um, and I actually had uh, done numerous things with consulting on TV shows and. Um, stuff yeah, like I saw that. something about that on your Facebook. You shared like yeah. a, like a teaser or something from a show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was always so anything that I did, especially in in, in um, whether it was with a paranormal group or paranormal TV that I've done. It's always been from the angle of um, the non-believer, or not the non-believer, but the, let's say, like, uh, cautiously optimistic again, I want to believe there's things. Um, I, I want to believe that there's ghosts, but I don't know. I can, I, I've, I've had so many things happen over the years that have, and I, and I did that for about 20 years, that I started off as more of a believer, and this is it, this could be something, that could be something, this could be a sound, that could be a sound that over the years, I started to become less and less a believer. The more I could kind of like explain it away or, or know that there's things that can cause you to think there's something there that's not there, whether it be like an EMF charge or medication that you're on. And that's a big thing that gets overlooked quite a bit is medication. We take for granted that someone on this medication is fine, but then you look into it as it can cause hallucinations and stuff like this. So right. I, I, I hate giving this answer because it's not like I don't believe there's something. It's, and I've had experiences that I mean, I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've had, we, we did an investigation in Prince Edward Island one time and we had this lamp that was on the bed levitate and smash down between me and a psychic I was working with. Like it's clear as day. And like the guy downstairs could hear it on, on the audio. Was like, what the hell happened? It was like this lamp lifted off the bed and smashed down. And, and I'm, like, I'm still like, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a ghost. Like I, I don't know. I'm really wishy-washy on the whole ghost thing, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's, but, I, but I believe it's something that we can't explain. You know, I mean, I, I certainly believe there's things that we can't explain, but I guess my perspective is that's probably not your dead grandma coming back and doing it or saying it or, or doing something. I right. think there's something more to it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. What creeps you out? What creeps me out? Um, little things man like there, I, got, I have a big house and there are times when I'm here alone and uh, you know I may partake in a little little um, a beverage or two and and then I, my mind starts going a little bit and I'll be in bed and I start thinking about somebody being in the house and it gets to me and it's like oh my god just go to sleep Brad just go to sleep <laughs> you know I and I remember forget one time um, I was living in the house with Katie and she was away with the boys for the weekend at her mom's and again, you know, it was just, I watched a bunch of horror movies and I went to bed and uh, a raccoon had gotten into the garage with the door open <laughs> and it just scared the crap out of me. Here, I went downstairs and I literally, I, I was playing with the light switches outside like it was like a rock concert. It's like scaring the way that be out there. So it's, uh, it's kind of silly, but yeah, that kind of stuff scares me. And I think about, you know, I think all the time about, I'll get up in bed and I'm like, did I lock the back door? Did I lock the front door? All right. But it's like, I'm more afraid of the living than I am of, of you know, anything that could potentially happen from the, the supernatural realm, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, Freddie, Jason, or Michael? Michael. Interesting. But you're an 80s kid, though, aren't you? I'm surprised it's not Jason or Freddie. 
It's definitely not Freddy. I'm actually not a huge Elm Street fan. That's me too. I, I, I don't know what it is about that franchise. I just can't. And I don't like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. But I don't like Freddy. I don't really care too much for the franchise. And, and I, I, I appreciate it for what it is, but I, I can't remember the last time I watched it. And I don't know yeah. if I will anytime soon. Whereas like, a- any of the Halloweens or any of the Friday the 13th, I could be bored right now and go put on a you know, Friday 13th part three because it also has the best theme song. Um, okay, thank you. Yeah, I have been known every Friday the 13th to just come home and blare that song because that is my favorite version of any of those themes. The it's best. so good. So good. But yeah. yeah, I could put any Halloween on uh, or, or Friday the 13th and be happy. But I, like I said, I can't remember the last one put on a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah, see, yeah. for me, um, like I love, well, I used to love the, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Like that used to be like, my favorite of that series. And then I watched part seven, like the Wes Craven's new nightmare one. I just love how that one did something like kind of original and unique with it. And he was playing with like the meta things before he did scream. So I thought that that was kind of cool. But then like going back to them now, like I know everyone loves uh, dream warriors, but I'm not a huge fan of that movie. So like, I, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) I still enjoy like part one, but like, I if I never watched it again, I wouldn't feel like I was missing out on anything. Exactly, and it's yeah. a classic example. And, and again, I agree with you about New Nightmare. I enjoy that one uh, and I, I, on a different level. And I think the reason I like that one is, is for the same reasons that I liked Part One, is that they they had a successful Part One, then it went so silly and off the rails, and, and it was just like I can appreciate trying things, and I can appreciate where you're trying to go, but it went all like a terrible example, but like went from Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. As far as, you know, we give the seriousness to the over-the-top silliness. Right. And, and I don't know, there's something about that in the Freddy movies that just, I don't care for. You know, no, like I said, exactly. I appreciate one because it was genuinely scary and he wasn't over-the-top with all the one-liners. And then I appreciate the seven and, and remember because it just kind of went back to the origins. And like you said, all that meta stuff was so awesome in that. And like yeah. said, that was the first time you've ever seen anything like that exactly and like even too like um like they had to make him scary again right because like you had all these really dumb moments where he's like like you said like the over to the top like one-liners and stuff and like that wasn't him in the original he was like a creepy guy but he was also defined as like a child murderer and predator and then right and then in like three and four and beyond and he's just like a he just always has jokes, right? Yeah, yeah. He jokes yeah, everybody's yeah. like, oh, we love Freddy. Child predator, molester, killer, to being marketed towards kids with, you know, action figures and video exactly. games. They, they went over the top of the market at that age group. Exactly, like, exactly. I don't understand how that happened. Yeah, it is pretty strange. Oh, I, I gotta agree. Um, I liked it a lot when I was younger, but as I got older, I was like, meh. It doesn't do for anything for me anymore. Yeah, it's definitely. More I'll watch them every once in a while, but it's just like I yeah. think it's more just to see if I'm still into it. And like I get a few um, like moments out of it, and I'm like, all right. But overall, it's it's like the weakest series I think. Yeah, like Evan and I have talked about like we we've done like the Friday the Thirteenth retrospective. We've done our Halloween retrospective, and we're like, want to do Nightmare? And we're both just kind of like, eh, not especially you know like it's gonna take some time the problem, I think you guys will find if you did that there's so, the, the people are so all in on Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street yeah that I think you probably you'll probably get some backlash for our comments today I think <laughs> people are so polarizing on it that you know um 
they, they will give you some flack for it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's part of the portion of the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite universal monster? Oh, Gilman for sure. Really? Yeah. I There's something about that series. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know that that's um, a kind of a, a left field answer, but I <laughs> – I don't know. I, I like. I love that series. I love all of them. I love. I love that early 3D that they did with it. it was, yeah, it was so cool. Um, and I don't know. It was. It, it, it kind of. It, it kind of you know breached across different. It wasn't strictly horror, right? And I think yeah. that was what what, what you what strikes home about that series and about you know the original in particular, is that this guy just wants love. He just wants, uh, you know, to be in a certain way accepted and, and i think there's so many things that that this guy is going through that we that we look at this angry mob and, and like, you know get he's not a great guy um but i don't know you have a bit of sympathy for this form i find whereas and i mean so you do with frankenstein as well i mean don't get me wrong but i i don't know uh, I, that one's always resonated with me and was definitely the one that i've watched the most mm-hmm. and um invisible man as well i've always appreciated um Mummy, you know what? I, I appreciate what the mummy became in um, culture, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know what we come to expect from, uh, or what we what we vision envision as the mummy, and what we see it in every different type of, of platform that we see or type of media that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the original movies everyone didn't care for, but right. I appreciate what it did to set up this kind of culture of of the mummy. For sure, and I hated things too. I hated all. God, I just. <laughs> see um so uh a few years back uh cineplex when they were doing their like flashback movie events they were playing the original creatures from the black lagoon with 3d and that was the first time i saw that movie was in theaters with 3d glasses on it was an, an amazing experience that's amazing yeah There's something about that old school you know like the the red and blue 3d that makes that that black and white works better yeah um, it just makes it look so different. Oh, for sure. Um, okay, uh, last question of this group. Um, what do you think is the most memorable death scene in a horror movie? Hmm. Most memorable death scene in a horror movie? Uh, the one that sticks in my mind is definitely Jason um, flinging her against the tree in the, in the sleeping bag. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know it. The, the thing about that particular kill is that it's it's mostly perceived because you know you're not seeing uh, anything overly gruesome, um, but I think it's just the idea that you just maybe it's not overly graphic, but it's funny and and it sticks with you, right? Remember yeah. when did that to her against the tree? You know, <laughs> well, I like. I wish they would have kept it where because like if you go back and you watch like the. Um, the test footage and everything he whacks it like eight times and yeah. then he finally drops it but in the movie it's one, one two yeah. bam and then it's like oh okay but like you see him start to get tired in the test footage as he's smacking it's like i wish they went with that because that would have yeah. been so much i don't even care if it dragged on too long just seeing him get tired just hitting this fucking sleeping bag against the tree constantly i think yeah. that would have been so much better <laughs> See the for me the most memorable death scene. It, it's also from a Friday movie, but it it's from uh, Jason Takes Manhattan when he punches the guy's head uh-huh. off. 
Yeah. That, <laughs> that like, is on. my most memorable death scene. Just because like it's so absurd <laughs> that like that's just my instant go to of like wow. <laughs> this guy no, just like works so hard. <laughs> to just punch him and punch him and then he's so done. He's like, Come on, give me your best shot. Just grabs him by the collar, just whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it falls good. into the trash can. <laughs> it's so good. You definitely, you know, I mean, you got to say the, the 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 Friday franchise definitely has some amazing kills. Oh no, yeah, no. I mean, like that's for me, like that's all that that series is is just like setting up cool kills. Yeah. I think I'm like honestly, I know it's like it's kind of it's not like that gruesome or anything, but the one that sticks out to me is Halloween when Annie gets killed in the car because when I watched it when I was younger. You see her go to the car and it's like locked, and then she goes back, and the car's unlocked, and it's all fogged in the like the windows, and you're like, "Oh shit!" And I'm sitting there as a kid, like watching this in my grandma's room, all the lights off, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then it just, and then he grabs her and stabs her. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like just being that young and like remembering that all the time, I'm like, "It was that is definitely one of my favorites for sure." You also got you can't you can't go without talking about the Sub Zero kill in uh, Jason X. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That well, was pretty good. I think we might have talked about this before, but what, what do you guys think of Jason X? Is that on your radar? Man, it's so campy and fun. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, it's, you can't take it serious at all. No, so, no, no. I have such a love-hate relationship with that whole franchise. I, I don't even really like part one that much, but part three I enjoy, and then part six I love, but then the rest of it is so hit or miss with me. So yeah. I just, like, casually enjoy that series, but, like, obviously, like, I know about it. But uh, Jason X to me is as good as part four. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's no I, – I don't necessarily have a high quality of standard for <laughs> for that one. So <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you like the remake of Friday the 13th though? Or? I do. I think it's one of the better remakes. Yeah. I think it's one of the better Friday movies and remakes in general too. But I, I think that it, it actually takes that, that, um, like the story of the first three or four movies and then just modernizes it and makes it better. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Well, cause I, I always liked him as he ran. I always thought that was cool. Like he walks, I'm like, all right, whatever. But like, he's like 10 times more menacing in that movie because like when he moves he's pissed off when he moves yeah and like even when they're hiding and he grabs all the canoes and he's just fucking throwing them and throwing them and i'm like oh my god i love in that first like opening 15 minutes like just before it cuts to the title when the when the guy's in the bear trap and jason's just running and he like twirls his machete yeah into him right and i'm like holy shit like jason's awesome in this one i think they did a really great job with that and that's you know so polarizing to to the nightmare on elm street remake okay so so here here's the thing is when i first saw the nightmare on elm street remake i was like this is way better than the first one (laughs) and then and then in my head i always had really fond memories of that remake and i watched it recently and it's not good (laughs) i don't know what the hell i saw in it before but i I remembered really loving it in the theaters well and i kind of you know i've said in um you know, times before that, I, I find that, um, you know, it takes a lot for a horror movie to not resonate with me on some level, like appreciate it to a certain degree. Like, I mean, I think I might have said it to you guys before that you know, even the worst horror movie is a good horror movie, but, um, and I know that I think they came from King or somebody said that. <laughs> I, I just, I feel the same way, but this movie, I don't know, I, I will never see it again. There's, right. there's no redeeming qualities to it for me to watch it. No, there's nothing fun about it. It's not, um, like, even if it was trying to be serious, it's not as serious as I would have liked it to be. 
it, even the, like the the dark humor they have in it it doesn't like it doesn't hit with me it's all it falls flat all the time and like i love jackie earl haley i think he's an amazing actor and yeah. it sucks that he um uh didn't really i guess maybe get the because i don't feel like he pr- portrayed the character like to his ability oh no absolutely with, like, no. i i you know if that's what you had to base him on was this role then you would probably have a different appreciation for him yeah sure (laughs) yeah because like uh, there's like the thing going around still and it's been going around for years where they're like oh yeah let's either get robert england in it and he's like he's almost like 70 now or something and then it's like oh well let's get kevin bacon in there and kevin bacon apparently said like i would do it and i'm like i don't know i can't like i loved him in hollow man i think he's a great villain he's great Uh, i don't think he could pull off freddy i don't know i think he probably I don't know. I think he could. He's got he's got that creep factor. And I remember there's a, there's another movie that he's in, um, where he's like at a oh God, what was the name of that movie? Where he's had a, a boys' school and and he like he molests the kids and stuff like that. Uh, he's like um, security or something. And then then like 20 years later, the kids go back and they kill oh, him. Oh, so it's pretty much Nightmare on Elm Street. I think I know what you're talking about. I just can't but remember what the hell it's called. It really makes you. Um, kind of see like how you're thinking about him as like say Freddy now how he could pull that off and just how he played that role mm-hmm. and just being like someone that would torture kids and whatnot I, I, I don't know I, I think he could do a good job with it yeah it, it would definitely be interesting um, I, I just don't know when we're ever going to see another Nightmare on Elm Street movie because it doesn't look like they're itching to like remake well, it at any um, point, right? Wes Craven actually his estate just got the rights back to it right so you know, they might be working on something. I'm I'm honestly praying to God, as much as I don't like the films, like, like I'm not crazy about them, I'm hoping it gets a decent box set from Screen Factory because they've done Halloween, they've done Friday the 13th, and it's like they're dealing with New Line now as well, so they could put, if they put out a nice box set of that, I I'm, I'm probably might appreciate well, you know, it. There's no doubt that I'll still get it as well, and I, 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 I have the original uh, DVD set that they came out with years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, because again, just as a, just as an appreciation of of the, the of what it is, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> so do you want to talk about some Christmas horror? <laughs> yes, because I fucking it sucks that it's not tomorrow because <laughs> fucking Black Christmas is forty six years old, and that's just wild to me. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Can you can you imagine? <laughs> it's, it's honestly, <laughs> I remember. I remember watching it like when I was really young, went to my dad's place, we rented at the VHS place. And I was like, man, this movie's actually so creepy. And then I watch it now and just, it's still, it's still very, very creepy. It holds up. It definitely holds it, up. Yeah. For man, being that old and it still makes you like, I remember showing um, my girlfriend, Amanda, I think last year or the year before. And it's the first time she's seen it. And she was like, I have goosebumps. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, that's good. That's yeah. Exactly what it's supposed to happen. And she was like, man, it's um, when the killer is hiding behind the door and Olivia Hussey goes upstairs to check on them and they're dead. And you just see his eye with like that weird glare in it. And he's like, it's don't tell what we did. And it's like, she was like, She's like, oh my god! And I was like, that's exactly like how I would want you to react to that because it's just so good. Oh my god! It's like a, it's my favorite holiday horror movie, and it's my favorite Canadian film ever. Oh yeah, that, that's that's good. I I 
I know you told me to, to think about my favorite horror, my favorite Christmas horror, and uh, I didn't put it in my in my top three, um, but it definitely is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's just I I love Christmas horror, so I find it hard to to break it down um, yeah. and to actually you know give it an assigned number, so to speak. But, you know that movie in particular. When you think back, I, I picture myself forty six years ago going to the movie. I'm not that old, but if I was. Um, and walking away, not knowing who actually the killer was. I mean, that that had to have been crazy too, right? And yeah. I think you think, you know, when, when's the last time you watched a movie where you didn't know who the killer was? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, exactly. Resolution. This movie, you never did get a resolution. Yep. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. It it it's almost it's almost scarier like that to not have any like oh. shots of like the villain and to not know what's going on because it really puts you in the, the situation of the actual characters, right? Like they have no idea who this is. It's just some random person that's like causing mayhem for them. And they don't know. Right. And the irony <laughs> is if that happened today, if the movie came out today with, with no resolution like that, then we would all be saying, well, gonna be this, can't wait to see the sequel. Cause they would, that would, exactly. that would be the indication of setting up a sequel. That's mm-hmm. true. It didn't, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you like the the first remake of it though, the Black Xmas? Or I'm okay with that one. I yeah. thought they did an okay job of kind of um, you know keeping the the style of the original. The you know they they modernized, which was great. They, it's again, it's a great example of um, a remake that just updated it for the times. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I mean, of course, we do know who the killer is in this one, which is the difference. Yeah. Um, but I saw, I saw that that was okay. I thought it was okay that they introduced that aspect and showed you who it was. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. And, you know, and I put it in my, my annual watch list um, of Black Christmas movies. Um, the new, new one, though, I don't know what's going on there. I haven't even seen that one, and I don't think I've been either. I refuse to watch it. I'll never watch it. I don't care if you pay me to watch it. I'm not gonna watch it because there's like ten killers or something. It's like a, it's like a cult. And I'm yeah, like, no, thank you. Like he's got supernatural tones and like yeah. I yeah. and oh okay. Like I, I hope this doesn't make me sound like an asshole at all. I have no problem with like feminists or anything like that. Like stand up for what what you believe in all that stuff this movie is like so hard into it like even the good guys apparently are assholes in it and like the bad guys are obviously assholes but there's like no winning and i'm like well i don't i don't understand that because for one it's not like the good guys who are like helping save you or whatever are being dicks about it but they're still treating them like they are and i'm like that doesn't fly with me like that's not how it's supposed to be and i understand it's just it's like again i have no problem with it but i don't think they had to to, to write it like that and like make it so heavy on feminism like yeah it, it just doesn't i don't like that it's probably like like if they were trying to do something similar to like the craft like it's it's like a, as if blumhouse wanted like a like a teenage girl movie you know what i mean like yeah. i don't think it was necessarily made for the average black christmas fan right like i i think they really wanted to make people like especially like to make like teenage girls interested in seeing this cool like badass girl power movie right yeah that's fine but why do you have to call black christmas exactly it was just a cash in on the name right that's really all it it is (laughs) yeah but i think that does more harm than it does good because anybody that's going to watch because of the namesake are people like us yeah. I'm not going to appreciate what you're doing. All you're doing is cash grabbing from us. And yeah, you might get that, that teenage demographic that, you know, like you said earlier, that doesn't appreciate, say, an exorcist or shining. 
mm-hmm. that will appreciate this because you know it's it's team centric and and kills and supernatural and gold girls. Yeah, it's like I remember the first teaser they put out for that. I was all for it. I was like, man, this actually looks good because it didn't like go into too, too much detail no, it it being multiple killers. And I was like, holy fuck, they're remaking it again? And it looks like it's going to be how I want it to be. And then you get the full trailer and it's like, I was, they deceived the hell out of me. (laughs) They tricked my ass so much. (laughs) I was not happy about that. I want that. I want that on a t-shirt. They tricked my ass (laughs) so much. (laughs) (laughs) right. so what do we want to do? We want to do top three then and we'll count down from uh, like three to one. We'll go around every. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'll I'll kick it off. I'm gonna go with Christmas Evil from 1980, and uh, uh, it's directed by Lewis Jackson. It's like really sleazy, and it's. I think it was so cool. Like when I first uh, found out about John Waters, and this is like his favorite holiday movie of all time. Yeah. But it's just like, it's just so like weird and sleazy and the guy who is playing um uh santa i guess he dressed up like santa because he snaps his name's harry in the movie he's just he's so weird because he almost acts like he's he's like a kid he almost has that mentality because when you watch him he's like oh ho, ho, believe in santa and all that stuff and just when he like snaps and he like kills some of the people he's like he doesn't realize that he's done it but he knows like it's wrong and then he's like, oh, Santa's not supposed to do that shit. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's really fun because it's so sleazy. And then uh, Jeffrey, uh, I'll probably ruin his last name, Demond or whatever, has like a little part in it. And he plays his brother and I love him in it because he's like, you watch him and he actually cares. And when he finds out that his brother's been doing it, it's you You feel like bad for him. You feel like some emotion for him, yeah. which I did not expect to feel when I watched that movie. I'm like, oh, it's just a sleazy Santa Claus killer movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that movie a lot. It's it's fun. It's really... And he's got like... And the craziest fucking part of that whole movie is like... I'm sorry, but this movie's like... I don't know how old. And if you haven't seen it yet, that's not my problem. <laughs> you just like see the car like fly at the end. Almost <laughs> like they think it's flying. It's like, what the hell is happening? And I think I like it even more because it's like... It goes past being crazy. It's like, this is completely unbelievable now. Like, I can get behind, like, oh, yeah, some guy dressed up like Santa and killed somebody, but now his, like, shitty-ass tan van is flying through the sky. And I was just like, oh, my God. So this I, I so had thoughts about that particular, like, the ending. You know, I've thought about this a lot, and I watch this movie a lot. I think I've watched it, like, three times this year already. Um, <laughs> you know, do you think that's just him, you know, that's the, the last part of his psyche, the last part of his... Um, you know what he envisions oh yeah it's it's definitely i like i don't think it's actually happening i think it's like him snapping yeah and thinking it's happening but it's just so like oh, this is so crazy into, into <laughs> yeah. this van is like on its side burning but he's like yeah. he's just like i'm flying through the air and i'm delivering yeah, presents now yeah <laughs> that, that one's really fun and it's on shutter it is it is on shutter which we 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 uh we like to to champion Shutter a lot on our show. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah, that that movie's in my top three as well. Okay, good. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so fun. <laughs> I ha- I haven't seen that movie, so I'm gonna have to definitely. Oh, you have to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, see, so my my problem with like Christmas horror stuff is I haven't watched a lot of it. Um, so obviously, like regardless of whether you consider it a, a horror film or not, but like Gremlins is like my go-to. No, like, of course it is. Regardless of like like obviously i can watch it any time of year but that's like one of the movies that gets me hyped for christmas anyways yeah. so like, it's like for, for me like for christmas movies it's gremlins the grinch home alone and tim allen's the santa claus Th- those are my like go-to like christmas movies anyways. <laughs> so on this list i am putting gremlins at, at my number three of course that's nice. a christmas movie and it, like i don't know i remember somebody oh i read a really dumb comment the other day <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about like Christmas movies, and this one guy is like, "Yeah, it, w- it was released in the summer though, so it doesn't count." <laughs> I shit you not. I read that, and I was gonna reply, but I was like, well, "It's not worth my well, time." Well, you know what's funny? So yeah, well, it's funny though because like there, there's on-set footage of um, of Joe Dante talking to the the kid who sells the gremlin in the first place, and the kid's like, "Are you gonna release it at Christmas time?" And Joe goes no i'm releasing the summer he's like why and he goes because then people are gonna think it's a christmas movie and i'm like yeah but you can't start off your movie with baby um or the 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 christmas uh whatever song that is you know what i mean you can't start the movie with with that song and then be like no it's not a christmas movie (laughs) right like it's just it's just kind of (laughs) bizarre well for a scene i mean even going you know to the snowy downtown area of, of gremlins and back to the future and um then going to the tree lot i mean it's yeah, yeah. exactly it, right so like you can't say that that's not a christmas movie if it's set on christmas and has christmas music in it and carolers and all this stuff it's a christmas movie i'm sorry <laughs> right yeah if you're gonna start saying if you're gonna you know compare like the, the smaller movies like not small just like diehards and like the batman forever and whatnot right and, you definitely have to consider Gremlins a Christmas. Oh, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, did, is Brad's turn? You're number three? Oh, my number three? Yeah. Uh, my number three is a Christmas horror story. Um, oh, yeah. Have you seen that one? Uh, I, I, I watched no. a little bit of it last year. On, it was, I think it was on Tubi. And I only fell asleep because, like, I was dead tired, but like, I never <laughs> finished it. I um, I love that movie. Um, it came out, I believe, the same year. So this is a more modern movie. I think it was 2015. Yeah. Um, it came out the same year as um, Krampus. And I remember kind of watching both because I remember being at uh, Florarama that year. And they were really promoting those two movies because it was in October. First of November. They were really promoting those two movies. Uh, they just dropped and H&D was selling them there. And... Um, yeah, I, I watched both, and I didn't really care for Krampus my first watch through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind as much now, but it's not in my top three. Um, but the Christmas Horror Story, I loved from the first time I watched it, and then I watch it again. I think I watched that one twice this year. It's just a great movie, and I just I love the I love to me that's my trick or treat for Christmas. <laughs> All right, yeah, I thought I'm gonna have to check it out again. Five um, and four backstories that are happening. And they're crossing paths, and there's things happening that you maybe not even see it the third time you watch it. You might say you might see something you missed the first time. And somehow all of these different stories intertwine, and but they do it the right way. And then that ending, oh my god, the ending is is so freaking good. <laughs> all right, I'm watch. excited to watch it now. <laughs> is that on Shutter too, or 
Uh, uh, it's not, but I did find it somewhere the other day. I want to say it's on Tubi. I'm pretty okay, sure it's on there. Okay, I have Tubi, so I'll have to check that out. All right. Uh, I guess my number two is, you know, probably one of the other ones that everybody would have guessed. It's Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Um, this movie is so good, and it's a lot to do with the movie, but it's a lot to do with all the... Um, the press that it got, especially from all the angry moms uh, oh, yeah. right in the studio and everything, because it's just like, <laughs> who would have thought, like, oh, yeah, let's make a movie where Santa kills people, and then all these crazy Karens are like, um, no, you're not putting that out. But it, that, a lot of press. Yeah, yeah, and it's... The thing is, like, when you watch it, he's only dressed up like Santa for a little bit of the movie. But yeah. the in the beginning when it's like that that like highway hijacker crazy guy dressed up as santa and he like kills the dad and shoots him and then goes to try and rape the mom but then just kills her and then you just see this little kid like watching everything and i'm like holy fuck <laughs> this kid is gonna be scarred for life <laughs> but then you know, when you think about that movie and you think about um christmas evil they kind of have that same traumatizing kid um yeah. aspect to right yep. um, both of them are almost a psychological movie to that respect or like a even a mental illness movie when you think about it and you know i, I meant to talk about this when you mentioned christmas evil the first time um you think about his brother and how much he cares for him and how much he is there actually for him um you know it's because that he knows that his brother has this mental illness mm-hmm. and he keeps wanting him to get the help that he needs and, and he doesn't and we see this guy decline because he's never gotten the help that he needs yeah well it's it's like uh when you watch uh robert who plays billy uh, as a young kid when he's in the the home or whatever it's on, like honestly it's a christmas movie but i honestly consider it like a non-sploitation film too because yeah. it's so heavy with um uh you know the nun the mother superior and like that christian setting kind of thing and like she beats the shit out of this kid for like doing the smallest things that you know you'd get in trouble for but she's like no you know that's that's naughty and all that stuff and then when you see him snap when it's like the two co-workers having sex in the back room and then he just freaks out it's like yeah you can definitely tell that's when he snapped and he's he's ready to kill people as Santa. um so my my number two um same with you i'm not i've only seen this movie once but i'm gonna check it out again it's krampus i remember being so hyped for that movie because i'm a huge follower of um youtubers red letter media and i really like the stuff that they do and i and i i mostly agree with the stuff that they talk about um and they said that krampus felt like um like somebody left a script from like 1986 in the drawer somewhere and then they like took it over like oh what's this we should make this and so i i was expecting something sort of similar to that and it is in a way but it's also kind of like terrible in a way um but it does definitely give you like that christmas feeling like you regardless of whether or not you like it like it's it's gingerbread cookies that end up attacking people so like that's that's about as christmas horror as you can get right <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> I definitely appreciated it the second time through more than the first time. Yeah, see, I, I have to watch it a second time because the first movie, I think that I had different expectations for what it was, so I don't feel like I enjoyed it for what it actually is. So I'm definitely going to check it out again this year. Yeah, you're exactly like me, man. I think yeah. my big thing was uh, Michael Doitry, like directing it. And I was like, okay, well, I love Trick or Treat, so I'm going to check this out. And I did enjoy it. I, I've honestly only ever seen it once, though. Yeah. So I, 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 that's something I might have to check out again because I, I only remember little bits and pieces. I don't remember, like, I'd say probably 90% of the movie. And I don't think that's me. Like, it's not bad. I just, it wasn't a big movie on my radar that I was really excited about. So. Well, no, no, the thing is, I like the people that are in it too. Like, I like Adam Scott. Yeah, it's got a great cast. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, who just went? It was you, right? And now it's Brad. Yeah. Okay. For number two. Uh, number two for me is Christmas Evil. Um, okay. Much more like the same reasons that you mentioned why you liked it. You know, they, I love how gritty it is. I love how I love how it's filmed. I love that that I love everything about it as far as as far as how they shot it and they filmed it. Yeah, and even like little nods to like when he's at like the Christmas party and Santa, you know, just off the road, you know, they pull him in. Uh, you feel like you're there. You feel like you can relate to like these little small Christmas parties or the office Christmas party. Yeah. So I kind of like I don't know what it was about that movie that it just it made me feel a part of the movie. It wasn't just it was more visceral, I guess, than a lot of those types of movies from that uh, time. A lot of the other Christmas movies that I watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate that, and then. I think the other things that I was saying too about how he kind of gives into you know his his uh, mental illness or or doesn't get the proper help for his mental illness and yeah. the, the part where he glues the the beard on and, and, and everything like you know he's he's full in on Santa and you can see how conflicted he is especially when he starts going it's like oh my god like you can tell that he doesn't know what to do or what's going on in his head you really feel that. And, you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of research on this movie, or not a lot of research, but I, I, I read up on this movie. You know, he, this guy who played him, um, you know, he, he really didn't star in any other movies. Like, this was like his first movie. Yeah, was, he did just like almost a one and, one and done kind of thing. Yeah, he did a lot of TV, like bit pieces and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, considering that, I think he did a great job. I think it was a great example of putting somebody in that role that you can believe because you haven't seen him or, or you know, I don't know. I thought he did a great job of it. Um, yeah. And even about one of the opening scenes where he's kind of creepy looking at the kids from his window. Yeah. And you have That's so weird. Uh, yeah. Right. And and but you you I don't know. You kind of get in his head about this. And when uh, you know the kid that's looking at the penthouse and he starts to go crazy about it. I mean, he's running down, he's running to his book and he's like, you know, writing down. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so strange. Like, and that movie too, it it almost it looks honestly like a soap opera. The way it's filmed, it's got like that weird shine to everything. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was kind of like it's weird because I don't know if they're trying to make it look like that. It's like oh yeah, it's like all happy, but then underneath the skin, it's like this guy is mentally ill. And and don't forget, it's got a it's got a New Jersey lynch mob. So I mean, like, oh yeah, that too. <laughs> crazy. So all right. Well, mine. This is obvious, very obvious. For number one is Black Christmas. Um, for the cast alone, Olivia Hussey, 
uh, Margot Kidder, John Saxon, like uh, Art Hindle, Lynn Griffin. It's and it sucks because Lynn's only in it for a little bit because I I like she's a great actress and I was like oh damn she died so early but I mean even Art like Art's in it like when they're like oh yeah we can't find her we don't know where she is he he's playing the role and he's like he's actually like a concerned boyfriend he's pissed off and when they go to the police station like why, why aren't you doing anything about it like it's all believable I really feel um like he he's really concerned for her and all that stuff so I mean it's he's he plays it right and I mean even the house mom the house mom's so funny she's just like mm-hmm. alcohol everywhere in the book in the the back of the toilet it's just like I, the, the part that stands out to me is just like come on Claude where are you you little prick and then the dad walks up and he just kind of stares at her she's like thank you very much for doing this this is so nice and then he just walks away and he just gives him the finger I'm like it's so awesome <laughs> but yeah even um uh it gives me goosebumps too when olivia's like yelling up at barb and she's like please answer me like please because the cops like listen the the calls are coming from in the house and that guy's just a fucking idiot he's like listen don't tell her just tell her to leave and i understand he's like he's having a problem with it but he's like all right the calls are coming from upstairs you need to get out and like immediately i don't know what i would do i'd probably freeze in fear too yeah it's <laughs> like that would be a horrifying situation yeah like oh my god Totally. But yeah, just like the cast, the writing, Bob Clark, and it's funny because I remember when I first found out Bob Clark did a, a Christmas story, and I was like, "That's so weird." Yeah, <laughs> and then almost it's like it's like that could be happening at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> like it's weird. You don't know. Like it, it, it could be the Bob Clark, you know, cinematic universe. <laughs> exactly. And then he goes and does Porky's, and I'm like, man, this man he can direct and he can do anything. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so my my number one, I honestly, so uh, obviously because I saw it first when I was a kid, um, it, it's it's Black Xmas. I I like the remake just a little bit better than the original. Um, it's oh. just so bizarre. Not not even in terms of the story, but like the cinematography is such weird choices. Like there there's like a lot of like it looks like like a fish lens where like it's like a super close up of someone's face or something and then like the whole background is so distorted but then you have like the christmas lights in the background so it's just such a weird like nightmare fuel movie for me yeah i can see that i also have to watch that i haven't seen it in so long i wouldn't mind revisiting it yeah for sure because i don't i I didn't like it wasn't like i hated it i just i remember being the, the the part that weirded me out the most and i was like oh okay whatever is like they they made billy the killer now and it was like they give him a whole backstory because i was like yeah again, like we said not knowing was probably the best thing f- about that movie yeah they they started off with him right i'm pretty sure where he's like yeah he, like the yeah they're like cutting up like stabs him and stuff <laughs> yeah and he's putting like <laughs> cookie cutters on their skin and he's like yeah. cookie, cookie <laughs> yeah. skin i'm like uh okay. yeah there was one. just a little bit too much backstory for him in the movie but other than that i think it's a pretty solid movie yeah because then he i remember you see him once or twice it looks like he has like the advanced stages of jaundice like yeah, he's he just all has, yellow he definitely has jaundice yeah. <laughs> and i'm like oh okay yeah a and, yellow and man then, running at me yeah and then it like pretty look it's not graphic but like there's the part where like the mom has sex with him too oh yeah, yeah yeah and there's just like moments of that like 
when I first saw that movie, um, it, I saw Halloween first, obviously. And then when I watched this one, I'm like, this is like a remake of Halloween, <laughs> which is funny, though, because like there's a lot of elements of the original Black Christmas that obviously inspired the original Halloween, too. Right. Like yeah. the point of view of the killer and all the stuff. So, but yeah, it was. I, I remember I, I'm pretty sure um, uh, the original girl in Black Christmas, uh, I think it's Andrea Martin. Yeah um she's the house mother in the yeah. remake is she not yeah she is right. yeah and i remember I, that was probably one of the things i got really excited because i always like when they bring somebody in yeah. from the original to give her a part because it's just like it feels connected and i think that was one of my favorite parts because like she was a little bit more see she lasted a little bit longer too didn't she, she i think does, she made yeah. it almost at the end of the movie and then they killed like her sure. with her um because it, it, it drove a lot of parallels to um carrie and carrie too yeah where yeah that too i remember the first time i watched carrie too and i was like oh shit i was like that's so cool (laughs) i I just i love that i like when they're like yeah well let's bring somebody in you know from the original one or do something from the original one that kind of let you know the fans of that movie that are coming to see this movie know that we're thinking about them yeah well it's 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 kind of the same too how like um like Rob Zombie's Halloween didn't have to be filmed in South Pasadena, California, but yeah. just knowing that it is and seeing similar spots, like from the original movie, like that just looks like Haddonfield. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's so crazy. And like, yeah, it, I agree. yeah. And like, even like in the Halloween 2018 one, like it doesn't feel like Haddonfield the way that it, it does even in Rob Zombie's one. It's, mm-hmm. it's a completely different style, obviously, but like, you can still tell that it's the same place. And like, even when um, in the scene, when, when they're in the library and Laurie looks out at, at Michael standing there, he's standing in front of Laurie's house from the original movie. So it's just like li- little touches of yeah. that. That's, that's just like, you don't realize how much it actually impacts your enjoyment of something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Little touches mean a lot, man. Oh, for sure. Especially for us, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for the fanboys, Right. <laughs> yeah um is that it did everyone give no, uh three or i didn't get my number one. Oh, okay yeah, brian has to do his number one okay well, my number one is a movie that i discovered I think, for the first time four years ago um it's called rare exports oh yes yes yes, yes, yes. On Shutter right now it's a norwegian movie uh which probably turned a lot of people off when you seeing it the first time or like you were getting around to watching it they just think it's a foreign uh film but it is phenomenal it is by far my favorite Christmas horror movie. Um, just the, the, the stuff, everything about it, the, the fact that it's filmed in Norway, um, the, the, it's hard for me to talk about this movie, giving things away. Um, it's just one that you really have to watch and experience. And this is subtitled. Um, the thing about this movie, I watched it the first time, fell in love with it, knew I wanted to own this amazing movie and have it in my collection forever. Um, so this movie came out in 2010. Like I said, I think the first time I watched it was probably 2016 or so. Um, back in 2010, 2011, around that area, they, era, they had uh, this really cool limited edition that actually came in this crate. Because um, as you can probably get from the title, Rare Exports is actually, they export something. I won't give away what it is. But they export something in these big wood crates. Um, and they were giving out or selling the DVDs in these crates. And now, of course, if you want to get it, you're going to pay like 300 bucks. And I'm like, damn it, I wish I would have discovered this movie earlier because I want to own that. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, highly recommend it. Um, You know, it's mostly circled around this this little boy who 
you know, believes in Santa and um, there's something weird happening on the mountain. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a really great movie. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but I'm going to have to watch it. I, I like that they put it on Shutter because I was thinking about yeah. it too. Yeah. So I'm going to have to watch it. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Yeah, for sure. I think I might watch it tonight. I actually didn't watch it this year yet. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so while we're uh, watching these Christmas horror movies, we also like to drink coffee. So, Brad, would you like to tell us a little bit about how Deadly Ground started and all this stuff? Because you do yeah. run the coolest cafe that I've ever been to in my entire life. So, <laughs> Sure. Um, so, basically, Deadly Ground started 10 years ago with my partner in the States. And he... Um, he started Deadly Grounds in Connecticut and started doing kind of the convention circuit down there mostly. And I discovered him at a show that we go to almost every year uh, in Syracuse called Scaricon. And saw him there, saw the, the cool coffin set up with the coffee. And it's like, oh my God, like it's my, my two favorite things, coffee and horror, right? And <laughs> yeah. uh, at the time, my buddy Chris was doing a magazine called Hauntopolis and uh, I was working with him on that, like for advertising and whatnot. And Tom down there became an advertiser in the magazine. So we had this relationship. And uh, basically, I, I approached him with the idea of, of me kind of taking over Canada and selling the product up here. And that's what he did. He just basically let me take over Canada and handle our thing up here. And the original plan really was just that we were going to be uh, more or less a distributor like, with his product, but then it kind of developed into, you know, roasting our own product here and uh, distributing from here. So we do everything ourselves here in Canada. So Deadly Grounds uh, US and Deadly Grounds Coffee Canada are two different companies that, you know, roast their own coffees and, and does their own things separately. All we share is the name and some of the marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how we got start. And then it wasn't too long after we started um, getting out there with the brand and selling it at conventions, selling it online. We started working with a distributor that got us into a bunch of stores that I knew that I wanted to do a brick and mortar. And, uh, you know, so after laying the foundations and seeing that you can be successful um, because brick and mortar, you don't ever want to get into without a solid plan. Um, you know, we knew that we could make it, make it because we had laid that foundation and uh, you know, we opened the cafe and the cafe has been a crazy success. And um, yeah, we now we have a really cool horror themed cafe that we that we operate everything from. You know, we roast in Toronto, still bring everything down to Curtis, and uh, we package everything here, distribute from here, do all of our marketing from here, and uh, a lot of cool stuff in the works. We're expanding in the new year, so we're taking over another 2,600 square feet at our location. Um, so we're putting oh, cool. in more um, more packaging, more, more packaging. Uh, area we're building out and more seating as well for when we can have more seating <laughs> yeah. um we are really getting into one thing that we noticed this year in particular uh, i mean sales have been great uh, you know people are at home so they need their brew so a lot of people are online um we're selling a lot of tea this year so we're actually going to be expanding our tea line in the new year okay uh, and actually putting a cool tea section for packaging in our new facility as well so yeah, we're we get a lot of cool stuff in the works. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, see, I I knew that you guys were gonna be cool once I found out that you had a hilarious House of Frankenstein <laughs> coffee because <laughs> that is one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's. I mean, we've done a few. Uh, we've done a few 
Frankenstein Days at the Cafe with Mitch from Frankenstein. That's awesome. Um, that's always fun. Yeah. It's funny because I remember when uh, JT and I were first talking about doing the show, we're like, we should try and get in there and, and record an episode in there. I'm like, we were like, it's the perfect setting. Like, look at it. It's, it's everything we love. It's everything we talk about. Yeah, we like, could have the... coffee while we're yeah. I, we were like, we were just so excited about it. Like, we could sit there and we could look at all this stuff on the walls and we could talk <laughs> about it and it's horror and it's everything we want it to be. And it was just like, it's so funny. And it's it's such a fun place to be because you know when you go in there you're in there for you know obviously for coffee and stuff but everybody in there wants to talk everyone is so hungry to talk everybody about shit <laughs> is there and loves the same things that you're there for and that's yeah, the greatest thing when people are there and what you know how much time they're spending in the cafe one night it's it's because they were enjoying the environment right yeah yeah. Anybody can go to any regular cafe. Why would you want to go to a regular cafe when you go to something that fits the theme that you're into? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like, we're just so lucky that we live so close to you. I mean, like Montana literally works like right across the street from you at at that nail salon. So like, (laughs) she's in there all the time. Right. So it's like, yeah. Like daily thing. I wish we lived in your area. Put one in Hamilton, put one in Kingston, put one in, sure <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, and it was just like i think like it's something little but uh, me and jt were like really appreciative like you guys let us put like the flyer in there for the show and it was just really cool because like we were just like oh yeah it's just like a little thing that we we kind of do you know when we've got free time to record and whatnot yeah yeah but then it was like well maybe we should try and do that you know, and then, we get, uh, if we get that a lot, right? I and mean, we get people saying, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I put this here? Can I put that there? Um, and I remember Montana came in. And my first, you know, she's telling me about me. Oh, yeah, cool. And then I'm like, check out your stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are pretty cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> I guess we get a lot. We get people asking for donations. We get people asking for this. And it's like, uh, and, and, you know, you know how it is. Everyone is trying to do a podcast. Everyone's trying to do, you know, myself included with, you know, streaming and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it takes a little bit to vet out who is actually really putting their heart and input and passion into it. You know, a lot of people just want to do it for the sake of doing it. But like, yeah. when I saw what you guys are doing, you know, a lot of strippers, I was like, oh, these guys are great. I love them. So <laughs> I, I was really happy to help promote you and, and have you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, honestly, like that yeah, really it, means the world to us. <laughs> especially, it, it does. yeah, especially because, like, like we said, like there there is like this somewhat air of like celebrity because before there was a podcast before we had mics we were like man it would be so cool to sit in deadly grounds and talk with the owner and all and then like yeah we're you know like we're not doing it in the in, in the cafe but we're still getting yeah. to talk to you right so it's like you know well, like we yeah like we, we we have such this like um the legitimate horror family that like in this area too right so like i mean like there's a whole bunch of people that like frequent your cafe that also listen to us and it all just feels interconnected in a way right it's funny like the toronto and even just Durham region we have a lot of um our horror community here is is amazing yeah yeah we have several uh, really great podcasts that are from this area we have the horror themed cafe we have uh, some amazing horror artists that are well known like it's it's kind of cool that we're all in the same area yeah, yeah. No, for sure and like you, you never really realize how many of us there are like scattered out there and then but then to not only be scattered but to also be close by as well right like you don't yeah. just have to go to it 
to a convention to meet all these people. Yeah. You really just have to go and you're going out for morning coffee anyways. Might as well go into a place where you know you're going to have good conversation while you're waiting. It's a permanent, uh, it's a permanent setup convention. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the first time that I ever even heard of you guys was when you were putting up that um, the pop-up like uh, horror convention thing, the outside. Um, yeah, the flea market. Yeah, the, yeah. the horror flea market. And I, first of all, that was such a fantastic day. That was, that I, I was bought so much really shit. Fun. I just wanted that to be there every weekend, <laughs> you know? <laughs> too. Yeah. No, that's, that's like, I remember going in there and I remember talking to you and I was like, oh yeah. Um, like, are you guys going to do that again? You're like, yeah, we, we want to do it like twice a year, like mm-hmm. one in the summer and then one another time. I forget when, but then like all this shit happened. And I remember yeah. so pumped. I was like, oh, I can't wait to go back and do that again. And then it's like, oh yeah, COVID hit. And then we can't do fucking anything. And I was like, fuck everything right now i was so mad because i was like it was so fun there like just exactly it's like the inside of the shop just puked outside and it just made it it was like it was just so fun it was really good yeah um so do you have any uh like christmas plans like what what are you doing for christmas not too much, man. Just, you know, hanging with the family. I got the boys here Christmas Eve, so we're going to you know, get up and um, do the gift opening thing on Christmas morning. And then uh, we're going to go over to uh, Katie, who's my business partner and my ex-wife. We're going to go to her place and uh, do the Christmas thing there. And um, then I think uh, we're going to come back here for dinner, I think, after is the plan. But, uh, you know, not too much. Um, That's kind of a awesome. quiet Christmas, I think. Yeah. You know, I can't see any family, so... Um, he'll make the best of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then one thing that I that I just well, obviously I didn't forget, but but one thing that I noticed was um, so you have two sons, and Evan has a son, and then in January, in, in two to three weeks, I'm going to be having my own son too. So oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we're we're all looking forward to. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, we're all looking forward to the the new year for one week and bring in the baby and the whole world is going to shit right now so yeah. i mean it, it's gonna be nice to have like something to look forward to yeah, yeah i hope so i mean they just announced today that uh we're going to lockdown again so oh i know yeah so we're just in prep mode for that starting christmas oh, so for christ we'll see what's happening after that but hopefully it doesn't last too long yeah hopefully it's not another like few months like it was last time no, i hope not yeah i hope not yeah no i don't think anybody wants that like it's such <laughs> shit like just follow what you're supposed to do and then well that's the, and that's the thing like i see you advocating all the time online you're like you're not allowed in the store without a mask you know follow these rules and i'm like man he gets it why did like big yeah. change why can't they follow well, that stuff well you get hurt as like the business owner right like obviously i don't want to go into details about like how much business is not doing great just in general. But I mean, like, you know, like the, the store owners are the ones that are getting hurt by people yeah. not complying with the rules. Right. Well, you know, and like, I mean, I, I, I'm very lucky. I mean, we are lucky that we have uh, an online business. Yeah. Primarily. I mean, the, case of the cafe was kind of our fourth pillar. We did everything else first. So we built our online presence and our brand to the point where we know we're okay, you know, despite the cafe being open. So we're lucky and, I, and I'm very grateful for how lucky we are. Um, you know, we see a lot of our friends that aren't making it and it you know, breaks my heart. And I yep. just, it makes me sick to my stomach, this whole damn thing. So yeah. I mean, 
thankfully, like we'll we'll weather the storm, and we'll probably go back to having you know free local delivery again if we're, we're going to be shut down, and uh, just help everybody out. And uh, yeah, it's a shitty situation. April yeah. is going to be a different story. We'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I mean, I I wish we had a better way to to exit the podcast than that incredibly depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, but let's end it on one good note. I, you know, I did talk to you a little bit about this new project that I have coming up in. January. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this hasn't been announced, and I was actually going to announce it every day. I keep going to announce it. I just keep running out of things or posted too much already. But uh, I have a new partnership with Room Morgue that's going to be happening, uh, filming in January, and then starts going live on their Room Morgue Morgue TV in February. So we're going to be doing um, Caffeinated Horror Dude, partnering up with Room Morgue to do a a show. Basically, it's a a horror variety show uh, where we talk coffee, we talk horror, we talk about, you know, as far as Deadly Grounds is concerned, with why we call something a Winchester, for example, and we'll get into showing people how to make a Winchester and why we call it that and tying it into the movie or show. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun project that we're doing with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Holy shit. Yeah, you know, he told me the other night and I got really excited. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have a frequency yet. Like, uh, we haven't hashed out like how many episodes we're going to be doing like for, you know, when they're going to be posted. Um, but we're going to bang out a few in January so that we have a few in the can to do that I can put to pump out. And uh, yeah, I hope it's going to be successful. And we're going to work with, uh, we actually have plans to have um, some guests on as well. Um, so yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. Room Org is really excited to have us or, you know, the Caffeinated Horror Dude on um, their platform to, to bring something new and different to their uh, Room Org TV lineup. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, well, um, unless Evan wants to say anything else, or you're good. I will say thank you very much for yes. finally coming on, because we've been wanting to do it for so long. Yeah. I'm glad we could work something out finally and get you on, because honestly, we <laughs> fuck Tim Hortons, fuck uh, Starbucks <laughs> and all that shit. Like, I... If this anything goes in again, I will make sure we get my our coffee from you and support you guys so you guys can stay afloat and these big places that will stay afloat no matter what. Exactly, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate everything you've done for us and for the community yeah. in general, not even just the horror community, but the community as a whole. So um, Thanks, thank man. you very much for everything and for coming on the show. Um I have been your host, JT McCallum. I'm Evan Delworth. And one more person. Well, I, it's Brad Maven, Kevin Horton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and have a spooky day.